This is PhotoBizX, episode number 423, and in today's interview, learn if your photography business is saleable, if it's even worth selling, and if it's something that you're considering how to get it to a point where it is actually a saleable business. Our special guest is John Warillo. He is the author of the best-selling book, Built to Sell, Creating a Business That Can Thrive Without You. That interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast-track your success. Welcome to the PhotoBiz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I guess you can think of today's interview as part two of a two-part series on selling your photography business or getting it to a point where it is a saleable asset. Part one was the interview a few weeks ago with Kim Hamlin from New Zealand. She recently went through this entire process, shared her experience including numbers, all the numbers in that interview. So get back and have a listen to that one if you are interested in hearing the photographer's point of view of going through a sale with your business. In today's episode, we are actually speaking with John, who is an expert on advising business owners on selling their business, on getting their business to a point where it is saleable. And whether or not you're thinking about selling your business, I know you're going to get a ton from what he has to share. And that's coming up in just a minute. Before we get into that, if you didn't catch last week's episode with Stephanie Garneau, that was another part two of a two-part series, that one on mini session strategies. The first was with Philip Bloom of The Blooms. In last week's interview, Stephanie shared how she's actually using The Blooms strategy, their mini session strategy, to bring in a fantastic income while she builds her wedding photography business. So if you've been considering mini sessions to either supplement or build your income, make sure you get back and have a listen to both those interviews. <laughs> and if you do want to take that a step further and get the exact strategies, the tactics that the Blooms teach, you can get their mini session course over at photobizx.com forward slash minis. And don't forget, if you are a premium member, there's a 25% rebate on that course for members. (laughs) Okay, I don't know if you think that's as funny as the kookaburras do. (laughs) Hopefully not. Yeah, so that uh, that noise in the background is an Aussie kookaburra, if you're unaware. Uh, I'm sitting on my front balcony as I record today. The house is absolutely freezing inside. The heaters are on, but I'm out in the sunshine recording this intro and outro for today's episode. It's so much warmer out here in the sun, but we have to deal with the kookaburras. <laughs> Alrighty, so moving on from the mini sessions, we're going to get into this interview with John Rurillo. Oh, and just one more quick thing. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, all that means is you won't hear the full interview today with John. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. So if you are loving what John shares in the first half, you'd like to access the full interview, you can do that for $1 with a PhotoBizX 30-day trial membership. And you can access that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Now, with that trial membership, like I said, you'll get access to the full interview today with John. Plus, plus, you will get an invite to the members Facebook group and get access to the full back catalogue, the discounted courses, the rebates, 
and all the other good things that go along with the premium membership. So photobizx.com forward slash try for more details on that. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is the author of the best-selling book, Built to Sell, Creating a Business That Can Thrive Without You. The book was recognized by both Fortune and Inc. as one of the best business books of 2011 and has been translated into 12 languages. Recently, he authored another book, The Art of Selling Your Business, Winning Strategies and Secret Hacks for Exiting on Top. He's also the founder of the Value Builder System, which is software for building the value of a company used by thousands of businesses worldwide. He's also the host of Built to Sell Radio, ranked by Forbes as one of the world's 10 best podcasts for business owners. I'm talking about John Warlow, and obviously today's focus will be on building a photography business that you can sell. I'm wrapped to have John with us now. John, welcome. Hey, good to be with you, Andrew. <laughs> Mate, obviously your thing is all about selling businesses. How did you get into this, I guess, field of work? Man, you know, it goes back to a time where I used to run a quantitative market research business. And I know your listeners are photographers in the photography industry. So this may not be completely analogous, but I think you'll get some of the same themes. Uh, In a quantitative market research business, we were selling effectively a service. And I was personally quite involved in doing some of the selling. And I was actually involved in doing some of the research itself. So but we built the business up to a fairly good-sized company. We were about $5 million in revenue. I want to say 30 employees, somewhere in there. And I thought I was sitting on a gold mine because I had really blue-chip clients. I know your listeners are around the world, so you'll recognize some of the brands. Like We worked with Microsoft and Google and Apple, and this was kind of our belly week. And so I thought, man, this business is going to be worth a truckload. And so I went to see an M&A guy guy named Perry Mealy in Toronto. And I said, you know, like, what do you think it's worth? And I was kind of rubbing my hands together waiting for the answer. And he said, okay, well, before I answer that, let me, let me ask you a couple of questions. He said, shoot. And he said, well, like you're in the research business. Who does the research? And I said, well, I work with Apple and Google. Of course, I'm, I'm personally doing the research. And he said, okay, well, who does the selling? And I said, didn't I just tell you we were working with these large companies? Of course, I'm involved in doing the selling. He said, all right. He kind of peered over his spectacles at me. And he said, look, you run a research company. You do the research and you do the selling. I, there's nothing here I could sell. Your business is worthless. <laughs> and Andrew, I can tell you, like, it was like a punch in the stomach. You know, the because I walked into his office thinking I had a million dollar business. Like this was a real success story. And I left thinking I had nothing. I had made all the mistakes in the book. So look, long story short, you know, I transformed that business really 180 degrees. We became a subscription-based market research company. We hired salespeople to do some of the selling. We built process. And ultimately, it was acquired by a, a New York Stock Exchange listed company in 2008. So it has a happy ending, but it was a very disappointing start and a very sort of uh, wake-up call for me. And I've, I've dedicated the last sort of 25 years of my career to you know, just being a student of kind of what drives the value of a company. If it's not the client list and the revenue and the profitability, like what is it? And that's that's what I wrote about and built to sell and, and sort of dedicate my professional life to. Wow. I mean, that must have been a real, like you said, punch in the guts <laughs> to hear that what you're sitting on wasn't worth what you thought. Um, you said you went to see an M&A guy. What's an M&A guy? 
Mm, a mergers and acquisitions professional, like a business broker. Okay. So are those two terms interchangeable or is a business broker different? A business broker generally sells companies that are smaller. So usually a business broker, there's, there's kind of three or four different labels. The companies that, that are, say, under a million dollars in revenue would be typically sold by a business broker. Businesses that are slightly larger, like a million to maybe five million, are usually sold by what's called a quality Main Street business broker. So a little so a different flavor. And then businesses that are more than $5 million, maybe even more than $10 million are usually sold by an M&A professional. And then the really big businesses, those that are you know, 50, $100 million in value are sold by investment bankers. But you know, for most of your listeners running independent photography businesses, they're likely to be sold by a business broker of some sort. Sure. Most of my listeners, most photographers around the world, I guess who you're talking to right now would have a business that would be turning over or have a revenue of something between 100 and 500,000. I think that would encapsulate everyone that's listening. Like a $100,000 turnover business or revenue business, is that something that is saleable? It could be. It's less about the revenue and more about how the revenue is generated. So look, for the business to be sellable, if you put yourself in the shoes of the acquirer, you think about like where and how would this business be worth me buying it? And the answer comes down to will it run without the photographer, the owner? You know, if you're turning over $100,000 in revenue and 100% of that revenue comes from you selling and doing the jobs, then no, it's not really sellable as it's structured. But if you've structured it so that you're behind the scenes and you've hired someone to shoot for example, weddings, and you're turning over $100,000 in revenue, and you're not doing the work or the selling, it's very much a sellable asset, even though it's just turning over $100,000 in revenue. It really comes down to, is the business dependent on you personally to either operate or grow? And that's really the essence of a sellable company. If the answer to that is no, then it's definitely sellable. Okay. So what if I, I have a photography business? I'm not the photographer. I'm not doing the sales, but I'm behind the scenes, you know, maybe doing the marketing, but I, but I have a system in place to do that marketing, to bring the clients in. Is that still a sellable business? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Again, there's sort of three types of buyers. And for the most part, I think your listeners will be best served by what's called an individual investor. So the three types of buyers in summary are individual investors, private equity groups, and strategic acquirers. Private equity groups and strategic acquirers generally acquire much larger businesses. Individual investors are effectively buying a job. So what they're looking for is a business that consistently generates profits without the owner having to do the work. And if that's the scenario and they're looking to, for example, move into a certain country, a certain city, perhaps move into a certain industry that they're sort of enamored by, again, that's the first step. The second step is, can this business, will the business continue once I write a check to the owner? Because once somebody <laughs> writes you a check for your business, your attention gets drawn away. And, and so they know that the acquirer knows that. And so they need to know, is this business going to kind of continue after I write this check? And that's the essence of a sellable company. Got it. Got it. Okay. I do want to dive into detail on how the listener could move towards a saleable business or a sellable business. But when I think about selling my business, I think there's sort of three main assets, if you like. And one of them is my email list or my database. One is my systems and the other is my marketing and advertising strategies to bring clients in. 
if you were to put those in some kind of order, is one of those more valuable than the others? Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Certainly what an acquirer, an individual investor will look at is how does this company generate sales without Andrew? And so, yes, your email list and your marketing funnels are going to be important. I would sort of bucket those together, bundle those together into kind of one value driver, meaning your ability to win customers in a consistent fashion. You know, Warren Buffett talks about Warren Buffett being the celebrity sort of huge investor in the United States, one of the richest people in the world, talks about investing in businesses with a deep and wide competitive moat. And what he means by that is, is how well differentiated is your photography studio from the other photography studios? And that comes down to marketing, how you position what you do, how you sell what you do. If your customers are simply buying you because they like you as a photographer or because you're the cheapest photographer that they've been able to Google search, for example, those are not good assets. Those are liabilities, in fact, when it comes to valuing your business. Because again, not to preach or sound like a broken record, but if your marketing depends on you personally, like shooting a wedding, for example, then it's not going to be a sellable asset. But if you've developed something in your offering that is unique, that doesn't necessarily depend on you, it's very much a sellable asset. And the email and the marketing, I think, is a very important component of that. The systems are also important. We refer to one of the eight drivers of the value of your company is hub and spoke. And what I mean by that is how dependent the company is on you personally. And so again, if you build systems that enable your photography studio to operate without you, then you've hit the jackpot in terms of that that driver. Um, you know, it, it occurs to me, Andrew, it may be helpful for me to, to give you an example of a photography studio that has kind of made this transition into a sellable business. Would that be helpful if I give you sort of an example? Absolutely, yes. And I can tell you too, the listeners are familiar with Kim, who I interviewed recently, who has gone through the sale of a business. So it'll be interesting to hear your ideas and how they uh, transpose to what Kim went through. Cool. Okay, well, I'll just give you an example because it comes to mind for me, uh, in particular around photography. Because look, most photographers that I know of, and I, I must say I'm only a superficial, I'm a consumer of photography. I, uh, I've hired photographers, but I don't profess to know the industry as well as you do for in any stretch of the imagination. But what I do know is I think for most photographers, it is their reputation they're selling. It is their client list. It's the, it's the work they've done in the past and so forth. And that's, I think, pretty common, but there is an alternative, and that is to figure out what is your TVR. And TVR stands for Teachable, Valuable, Repeatable. And really, that's the raw material for a productized service offering. TVR, again, teachable to employees, valuable is valuable to customers, and repeatable is something that customers have to purchase on a regular cadence. And if you can figure out a TVR, then you've got this, you've taken a giant step into building a more sellable photography business. There's a company in Danbury, England. I'm sure there's companies around Sydney, Australia as well, but I know these companies exist all around the world that do school photographs. All they do is school photographs. And if you think about it, it's a really interesting niche because look, 
the way this company that I'm familiar with called the School of Photography Company based in Danbury, England, the teachable component of what they do is they've provided a system to their photographers for taking school photographs, in particular at, at private schools in the UK. So the headmaster is the decision maker. The headmaster cares about the kids learning and not kind of goofing around in the auditorium. So they give the photographers a system for getting the kids in and out of the classroom quickly. Short kids to the front, talk kids to the back, you know, stuffed animals for the really young kids to make them smile and laugh at the right time. There's a formula. So it's teachable to young photographers. You don't have to hire a really experienced photographer to take that picture. So it's teachable. It's valuable in the eyes of a headmaster because, again, what is a headmaster looking for when they're buying the services of a photographer? It's not necessarily that they're the world's greatest photographer. They want someone who can efficiently move through 500 students an hour. And they don't necessarily need the world's most gifted photographer. What they're valuing is the speed and alacrity that photographer has for getting kids in and out of the classroom. So at the School Photography Company, headmasters buy that service because they've developed a formula for doing that. And then it's repeatable because we as parents all want to document the growth of our children. So the headmaster brings in the same photography company every year. And they do that 200 days a year at different schools around the UK. So it's taking a service, in this case, school photographs, and they've identified it as the TVR. It's teachable to young photographers. It's valuable because they figured out how to get kids in and out of the classroom. And it's repeatable because as parents, we want that. They're not wrapped up in being artists or you know the art of being a photographer. They're running a business as opposed to a job. It's a very different way to think. And for many photographers listening to that, they're going to get squeamish as they hear those words. They're going to be like, but I'm a photographer. I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I like creating things. Every job is different. Every client has a different and unique need. I get all that. But you have a job, not a business. It's very strong words, but I, you know, Andrew, I can't say it any more emphatically. If the business is dependent on you as the photographer, it's not sellable. But the school photograph company, the way they've structured it, is a very much a sellable company. Got it. That makes total sense. And I know what you're saying might be hard for some people to hear, but it's the truth. And to be to be honest and fair to those listeners, a lot of photographers do go into a photography business to have a job, a paid job that they love to do. So I guess I guess your focus isn't on those photographers so much, but it's on the photographer that's looking that potentially to potentially sell their business one day. So if you're talking to that photographer, and let's say they do photograph portraits creatively, but they do have a system, you know, they do have a studio, they do have a teachable system to other photographers, and they have a, um, I guess, a strategy to bring clients in year after year, that then becomes a saleable proposition, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And again, I think the secret is to niche down, and a lot of people listening to this they're scratching their head and they're saying, yeah, but I don't, you know, every client is different. I could never standardize or productize my offering to that level. I do portraits, but sometimes it's executive CEOs, it's managers, it's wedding couples. It's like all different types of people. So there's no way I could standardize that way. Again, the second step, I think in the process is once you figured out your TVR, and in some cases it may even happen before your TVR, is to niche down. Because in the case of the school photography business, it's not everybody who buys photography. They were looking at a very, very small niche 
of private schools in the UK. And they tried to understand what their needs were. And it was that homogeneous needs of getting kids in and out of the classroom quickly, which allowed them to build out their business. So again, I think you know to develop your TVR, oftentimes it requires you to niche down all the clients that you work with. So if you do have that portrait studio and you have clients that come in on a recurring basis, I'd be asking myself, like, how do I segment or bucket those clients into some sort of homogeneous reason they come to me and seeing if there's, if there's any one sort of bucket that provides the foundation for a TVR. So is the repeatable component, like, is that a huge thing for a potential buyer if the photographer or the studio has systems in place to bring in new clients all the time? Like, does it have to be repeatable clients? Yeah, I mean, the only thing better than a system, in other words, an email list and a marketing system and a marketing funnel, the only thing better than that in the acquirer's eyes is going to be automatic customers who are automatically there on subscription. So yeah, email list that's proven to work, a marketing funnel that's absolutely you know bulletproof is a great start. And that will provide some value in the eyes of an acquirer. But again, it still has to have an operator operating that system, writing the emails, et cetera. The, the next generation up from that, if you will, or the, you know, you'd go up and value it again, would be if those customers bought on some sort of repeatable subscription offering. That's when you know, valuations often go from multiples of profit to multiples of revenue. That is where you know, subscription companies tend to outperform in terms of valuation because, and again, when I say subscription companies for photographers, like you're scratching your head saying, but I like, maybe this guy doesn't get it. We don't have, like, we're not a software (laughs) company. We don't have subscriptions. What I'm really referring to is customers that buy on some sort of contractual or recurring basis. And that's, that's the essence of a subscription or recurring business model. Okay, so we might set up a baby plan where we photograph a newborn, photograph the same baby and family at one month, six months, 12 months, for example, and sell that as a, an ongoing thing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely a potential offering for sure. Okay. One of the biggest things that devalue a photography business in my eyes is the fact that anyone out there, so you could, John, go and buy a camera and call yourself a photographer tomorrow. You know, put up a website, you've got a new DSLR, away you go. So that to me brings down the value of a business. Is there any way to protect ourselves from that? Or is it just a matter of you know following the TVR process and sort of negating the fact that these uh, new upstarts are going to come into our turf? Yeah, I mean, the best way to do it is productizing your service. In other words, making what you offer feel and look like a tangible thing. You know, the fastest way to devalue what you do and commoditize yourself down to the lowest bidder is to rock up to a cocktail party and say, I'm a photographer. Immediately by introducing yourself in a generic, I'm a photographer way, you cannot commoditize yourself with every other photographer in the marketplace. You basically invite comparison and you say, well, my sitting fee is $400 an hour And somebody raises an eyebrow and said, well, I can get a photographer $100 an hour over here or $200 an hour. And again, you're now in a sort of like a race to the bottom commoditizing your service. By contrast, what I want you to do is productize your service. What I mean by that is literally giving it a name, sequencing a set of steps you take through your clients through, trademarking it if you have to. And then when you show up at the cocktail party, you're not a photographer, 
you're the owner of the five-step portrait system, which invites the question, well, what's the five-step portrait system? Well, it's a system we take people who are new young executives through who want a headshot, but they want, you know, also a series of, you know, casual shots that they can use in a business context in a corporate, you know, setting. For example, I'm just making this up as we go. But the idea being that you own a system, you know, in, in the case of the school photography business, they have a system for getting the kids in and out of the classroom. And that's what they're offering. It's the system. And they're not saying we're a photographer and you can hire us by the hour or by the job or by the project or by the day. They own the system and they market the system and they productize a service. And it's a certain way of thinking that makes your your offering feel more tangible. But most importantly, it differentiates you from the fly-by-night guy who goes and buys a DSLR and says, okay, I'm, I'm a professional photographer. It basically allows you to compete against them. Yes. Okay. So in the case of the, the school portrait or school photography business that you've been talking about, which I think is a great example, if I was looking to buy that business and I want some assurance that the same schools are going to be booking this business, my business, once I buy it, after I buy it, like would I need to have contracts in place or because there may not be contracts with schools, it might be a year by year proposition. So is that something that's going to add value or decrease the value of my business if I don't have those contracts? Yeah, the contracts are going to add a lot of value to the business, but it's still a sellable company without contracts. So you think about a predictable business that an acquirer has a predictable way to make money without the owner is going to be a sellable asset. So if you're just the school photography company and you're working on a year-by-year basis, there's no ongoing contracts. That's a sellable company. It may trade for, you know, three or four times profit, as an example, or EBITDA, what accountants refer to as EBITDA. Yet, if you've then gone to the next stage, which is approaching those private schools in the UK and saying, look, we've been doing business together for the last 12 years. Every year you've hired us. Why don't we structure a deal which is a five-year contract? And that's going to guarantee that you get the first dibs on my best days. So my best days are Tuesdays because the kids are fresh. And it means that you can have us, you know, again, I'm making this up, but basically there's some value proposition to commit to a five-year contract. That if the school photography company had five-year contracts with all of its schools, I mean, that's a goldmine. That is an acquirer would look at that business and place a very high valuation on that company. So it's sellable without the contracts. It's just more valuable with them. Yes. Got it. Got it. That makes so much sense. So for the smaller photographer, the smaller business owner, let's take the portrait studio, for example, you mentioned profit or value there. How does a broker value a business? Let's say I've got it to a stage where it is saleable. I'm not working the business or very little. I'm not the photographer. I've set up TVR. How does a broker come up with a price? Let's say I'm turning over $200,000. Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. So for the listener, John, that is excited by the idea of selling one day, is there anything that we haven't covered that you haven't shared that they absolutely need to know before they even sort of, sort of start heading down this path? You know, Andrew, I think it might be an analogy, and I'm guessing many of your listeners are parents. And I think as parents, as our kids become like teenagers, 
at least this was my experience with my wife and our kids, that there came a time where my wife and I kind of turned to each other and said, you know, like if we get these kids out the door into their first jobs or businesses or whatever, and and they're sort of on their own, they're living on their own, they're thriving, independent, happy kids. Like we've done our job. We don't have to, they don't have to go to Harvard. They don't have to be the, you know, the, the star quarterback or whatever. If they can live happily, independently, we've succeeded. And, you know, when they're 16 and playing Fortnite all night, you kind of shake your head and say, maybe, maybe this is going to be harder than we think. But that's, that's at least, I think, the, the job description of most parents. And in a parallel kind of way, I think for a lot of photographers, you might be served well by thinking of your job as a photographer in much the same way. Think about the fact that you own this photography studio. And although right now it's really dependent on you for every meal it takes and every, you know, everything that it does, eventually what you want to do, like your teenagers, is try to get it to a point where it can actually thrive without you. And that's job well done for most parents. And equally, I think that's job well done for most business owners. If you can get your studio to a point where it's thriving independently without you, you've nailed it. I love that. I love it. John, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, mate, and I've learned a ton. I'm sure the listener has too. Which of your books or where is the best place for them to go to learn more if they want to pursue this path? You know, I think go to builttosell.com and we put together some free gifts there. There's a free video series on the eight key drivers. There's a bunch of worksheets and templates. It's all free. And you basically just plug an email address in and, and we'll send you some resources on this journey of building to sell and, and uh, some of the stuff we've talked about today. Unreal, unreal. And for the listener, your PA, John, has actually sent me a, a URL. It's builttosell.com forward slash photobizx. They can go and uh, add their email address there and, and get that information that you talked about. So, John, again, massive thanks for coming on. Thank you for sharing everything you have. It's been a real pleasure. It was fun, Andrew. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that interview with John as much as I did. John, if you're listening, again, thank you so much for coming on, sharing everything you did. And for you, the listener, I do truly hope you got a ton from what he had to share. If you'd like to learn more from John, you can access those free downloads over at builttosell.com forward slash photobizx. All you do is enter your email address and name in there and you get all those freebies delivered to you. And I'm sure they will be fantastic resources if you are considering building your business to a point where you want to sell it or make it saleable. Now, of course, I've got links to anything and everything that John mentioned in the show notes for today's episode, and they are at photobizx.com forward slash 423. Okay, that is pretty much it for today's episode of the podcast. I'm going to get back inside, get this edited and out to you, then I'm off to do some packing. I've been selling photographic gear, things that I don't use anymore, starting to go through covers and drawers of things that I've collected over the last 20 odd years in this house and oh my god it is frightening <laughs> how much stuff I've got to either get rid of or pack away or sell so yeah it's uh, the process has started the house is becoming bearer but also messier at the same time I don't know how that happens <laughs> but it is so I can see it's going to be a busy couple of months in the lead up to our move Alrighty, look, I hope you are safe, healthy and well wherever you are. If you are in Sydney or one of the other cities in Australia that is locked down, I hope this comes to an end soon. I hope there is light at the end of the tunnel for you. I hope you can hang in there and get through this because I know that business will be thriving on the other side. We've already seen proof of that 
following the previous lockdowns. So hang in there, hang tight. I know things will get better soon. And again, no matter where you are in the world, I do hope you are safe, healthy and well. All right, have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 